Hello, everybody. Hallelujah, Bridgeway. I said, Hallelujah, Bridgeway. I am indeed alive and grateful. And it's so good uh, to be back with you. For those of you who are in our studio audience, it's so good uh, to see you. And those who are on our online audience, it's good that you can see me, <laughs> you know. But I've been watching Bridgeway since I've been away. And I tell you, God took me and a traveling team to Eastern Europe to serve Ukrainian refugees. And he brought all of us home safely. So thank you, Jesus. God also allowed me, the only one on the team, to get COVID while I was there. But I thank God for your prayers that brought me home safely. And I just want to take a couple of minutes to thank a few other people. I want to thank you and our, our staff, our elders, our clergy for praying and encouraging me while I was in this difficult place physically and emotionally. But I want you to know spiritually, I found myself mature and mighty in Christ in the midst of all of it. But isn't it interesting and ironic, just like God, to have you preach an entire series on encouragement and then be the only one placed by God, by yourself and alone, needing the encouragement of others day by day. And yet God put me in a place where I also had to be my own CEO, my chief encouragement officer. I had to be everything that I preached. But specifically, I want to thank God and appreciate Janice Fonseca. Uh, she stayed back in Europe with me, took me to the hospital, and ensured that I would be okay as she coordinated the details of bringing my wife over to be with me. And even though they had to stay in another hotel room and in another building, they were there, and that brought comfort. She also coordinated all the details for the rest of the traveling team. So if you could just put your hands together for Janice Fonseca, I just want to say thank you wherever you are. I also want to thank Pastor Eli for bringing the message last week on divine disruptions. Thank you, Pastor Eli. And then for Pastor Gary Coiro for overseeing the spiritual headship of our church while I was away on this important mission, even preaching our 30th Easter service. He had a lot to juggle. See what I did there? I want to thank the Creative Arts Ministry for putting together the production of Pure Imagination and lastly, every comment, every like, every heart, every word of encouragement on Instagram or Facebook, I just want to say thank you. You know, I seldomly do I read like comments and likes and look at all that. But when you're alone all by yourself and there's nothing else and people are liking it, I couldn't believe it. I'm on my phone like I'm a sick, I go to the bathroom, I fall asleep, I do this, I do that. I'm trying to make it. I look at my phone and there's like a like and a heart and a comment, and people texting and chatting and saying they're praying for you. So I just stand here today because of you, and also the 24-hour prayers of the Elders Council of Women and the other prayer warriors, they pulled together. I don't know if you knew this. They prayed every day, every hour, for 24 hours from the time we left to the time we returned. We were covered in the name of Jesus Christ. And I just want to say... Thank you. Go ahead and put your hands together and let's give God a hand clap of praise wherever you are, even in your home. Give God a hand clap of praise. Now, today I'm excited about a five week series that I'm going to do really on doors. It's called Threshold. 
and I'm gonna deal with the different doors in scripture. How do you navigate the different transitions and decisions and doors that are right before you in your life? Today's sermon is the only door. Next week's sermon is the shut door, followed by the covered door, followed by the kingdom doors. This will be my last sermon series of the ministry year. And then before you know it, June 12th will be here, and that's our end of the year wrap up. And we're going to celebrate our 30-year anniversary on that Sunday as well. So mark June 12th, the second Sunday in June, on your calendar. Now I'm going to bow in prayer, and then I'm going to go right into the word of God. Please pray with me now and pray with me as I give today's sermon. Lord Jesus, please anoint every word on my lips for the glory of your name and for the benefit of your people. May I feel the power of your Holy Spirit lifting me. May we all rest this evening when the day is done, fully encouraged by the work you've done through your word in our lives today. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Together, everyone said, amen and amen. Well, doors are entry and exit portals that we use every day to navigate different spaces. We cross thresholds from one space to another as we proceed through our daily lives. In order to get from one space to the next, doors are usually the mechanism through which we must pass. Whether it's a bedroom door or a bathroom door or a house or a car door, an elevator door or an office door, we've all traversed multiple doors in our lives. In fact, in our day already, I'm sure. Check out this one door I went through. It's an elevator door when we were in the country of Romania. And they tell me that this elevator has the capacity for four people. Now, as you can see, uh, I must be the size of four Romanians because no one is getting in that elevator with me without being very intimate. And you better be wearing some good cologne if you're going to share that kind of close space. So there you have it. Many doors in our lives. Have you ever thought about the number of doors that you've gone through just since you've awakened today? Probably more than you realize. Count them. Count them up. Bedroom door, bathroom door, shower door, closet door, car door, church door. Many of these doors we just take for granted. They just happen to be there. But these passageways provide entry and access points into and between spaces in our lives constantly. And while physical doors become entry and exit and access points into and between spaces, what about spiritual portals of access? What about spiritual doors? Have you ever been thoughtful about the biblical doors and passageways in our lives to help us become more mature and mighty in Christ? How can we have greater discernment in what doors we actually walk through so that we can experience God's abundance, God's deliverance, and God's divine protection? 
There's so many doors in life that become opportunities, but how do we know which ones to walk through and which ones to walk away from? Just because a door is open doesn't mean that you should walk through it. I mean, there are pretty girl doors. There are handsome men doors. There are good job offer doors. There are a lot of doors out there. Financial opportunity doors, career doors, ministry doors, money doors, mission doors, recreation doors, relationship doors, 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 doors. Even when I was talking to Pastor Vlad, he's a, a, a pastor in Ukraine. He's Russian. His wife is Ukrainian. They have three children. And we were part of a prayer network together. And for several weeks before uh, the bombs dropped in Ukraine, we had been talking on the phone and praying and emailing back and forth. He didn't think a war was going to happen. And uh, many people in Ukraine didn't as well. He even said to me one time, Dr. Anderson, there's only two countries that no, no war is going to happen, and that's Russia and Ukraine. Then fast forward just a few weeks, and on February 24th, the bombs began to drop. He had to get himself, his immediate family, his extended family, and his church family out of the country as soon as possible. They had to traverse 25 different checkpoints. Now, this pastor invited me to come. He said it would be a real encouragement if you were to come and to minister but he says, you need to pray about it because maybe you can do more from the D.C. area than you can do coming here. He says, I can't guarantee your safety. I mean, it's pretty safe where we are here in Budapest, Hungary, and we are going to take you to the border of Ukraine. He says, but I can't guarantee you if a world war breaks out that, you know, there's going to be any kind of safety. So what I'm going to ask you to do is pray about it and ask Jesus. And if Jesus tells you to come, then you can come. And I prayed about it. I, I talked with, with people to get their counsel. I talked with my, my wife and, and my family. And then guess what? I made the decision that I was going to go and I invited a select group of people to go with me. The reason why I bring this up is because it was a door of opportunity. But was it one that I was supposed to walk through? I sensed God's affirmation in my spirit, and after speaking to the right people, I made a decision to walk by faith and not by sight because the safest place to be is in the will of God. And I'm so glad I did. But what's my point? You and I have decisions facing us all the time, and it may not be about Ukraine, but you have important choices you have to make before you as well. Friendships and dating and sexual intimacy and marriage and health choices and career choices, purchasing a home or renting a home, the church you're going to go to, the faith you're going to follow, whether you're going to have children or another child or not. These are all decisions that we have to make. So how do we discern what doors to walk through and which ones not to walk through? Well, friends, first things First, at this point in the sermon, I need to tell you that I'll be talking about other doors throughout the five-week series. But the first and most important door for me to tell you about today is the door of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. In other words, the first and most important decision you can make or the door that you can walk through before all others is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said in John 10, 7, I am the gate. I am the door. In that same chapter in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. That's a promise. He goes on to say in that chapter in verse 10, the thief talking about the devil, the enemy, comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, abundant life. Now, Jesus also says in this book, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, God, except through me. You see, our door of eternal destiny starts with our relationship with Christ. And that relationship with God is only made possible through Jesus Christ. See, there's a difference between religion and a relationship. Religion is about humankind trying to get to God. And there are many religions out there attempting to find God, to relate to God, to access God, to find favor with God. But Christianity is not a religion in, in the sense of human beings trying to get to God and access God and even obey God. Christianity is about God getting to us, not about us trying to get to God. God is about coming to us, and the only way he did it was by building a bridge through his son, Jesus Christ. And Christianity is about God making the first move and initiating a relationship with us. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, from heaven to the earth to become a human and live the human experience just like we do. Then Jesus, having lived a perfect life, having died a cruel death, taking on all of the sins that every human being in every generation since the creation of humankind, all of those sins would be transferred onto him and he would pay the penalty for sin against a holy God. He'd pay the death penalty, not just physically, but separation from God in eternity forever. That's the penalty for our sins. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, that God made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can you believe that? And then after dying that cruel death, becoming sin for us, he then rose again from the dead, beating all the things that the enemy could throw at him, including death and separation from God. He rose again from the dead so that we could rise again to eternal life as well if we would accept him by faith. And God did all of this, friends, out of love and out of his pure imagination that one day he could be reconciled to humankind through a relationship if we'd only get rid of that sin thing, that thing that separates a holy God from people who have offended that God. And the way he did it 
is through his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't do it through anyone else. He didn't do it through the prophet Muhammad. He didn't do it through Buddha. He didn't do it through any other religion. He didn't do it through Confucius. He didn't do it through any other means. God chose to do it through his son, Jesus. So to choose anyone else, it may be respectable, even noble, but it's not eternal life because that's only offered through the door of Jesus Christ. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a relationship he wants with you, not a religion. And it's because of this sacrifice that the door is open for human beings to have a relationship with God. And it's because of Jesus that the door is open for all human beings. Jesus says he is the door. You see this door? Jesus is saying, I'm it. And it's open for you. And if you walk by faith, you can walk with me into eternity. But there's no other door. So Jesus provides this door for all of humankind. Regardless of your color, regardless of your culture, regardless of your gender, your sexual orientation, your zip code, regardless of your age, you don't have to be a certain age or have a certain education level. Jesus says, even the young children can come to me. God offers salvation to everyone, not just the Jews either, but everyone. God so loved the world. I once heard it put this way. Religion is spelled D-O, do. Humankind is trying to get to God by doing something or by not doing something, you know, by being a good person or by giving money to the church or to charity, by following the Ten Commandments, by hoping that your good works will outweigh your bad works, by getting christened as a baby or, or being baptized in water by not doing drugs or going to prison, by not having sex outside of marriage or killing another human being. I mean, while all these things are good that I just mentioned and really helpful for society, by the way, it's good to be good people and to be good citizens. But none of these things guarantee a relationship with God or citizenship in heaven. While religion is spelled D-O, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. You see, our relationship with God is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. When we place our faith in what Jesus has done for us, we come into a relationship with God. And once we walk through that door of faith in Christ, we walk right into the arms of God. And friends, there's no other door that leads to God the Father and his arms to hold you. 
except the door of Christ. There's no other religious door that you can walk through directly into the presence of God. And while there may be many doors of religion and philosophy that lead you to Jesus Christ, there's only one door that leads you to God the Father, and that's Jesus. There are many doors that lead to Christ. Many of us have different stories of how we came to Christ. People come to Christ through so many different ways, so many different experiences, all kind of doors, all kind of lifestyles, so many ways to get to Jesus. Some through dreams and through visions. Some heard it from a friend, some read about it in scripture, some looked up to the sky and God just spoke to their hearts. There are so many ways to get to Jesus, but there's only one way to get to God the Father. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one gets to Father God except through me. But notice what he said. I am the way. Not a way. I am the truth. Not a truth. I am the life. Not a life. And then there's this horribly terrifying truth after that where Jesus says, and no one, which means no one, comes to Father God except through me. I'm the gate. I'm the door. I'm not the only door. I'm the only door to God the Father. That's the difference. And it's your decision about Jesus that affects your entire eternity. No other decision matters for your eternity if you walk away from Jesus. Every other door of faith and reason and philosophy will lead you to a cliff in the afterlife that falls into eternal separation from God. And friends, I'm not saying this because this is what I'm saying. This is what Jesus said. Now, some people can get upset about that. But what Jesus is saying is God loves you so much that he actually provided you a door. <laughs> Don't get upset that he's the only door. Be thankful and grateful that he actually provided a door. Can you imagine if God didn't love us enough to provide a way back to him after all of our sinful ways? Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no other name. The scriptures say in 1 John 5, 11 through 13, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. But he who does not have the son of God, listen, does not have life. And I write these things to you, he says in the text. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know, not hope, not dream, know that you have eternal life. Now listen, friends, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ and to walk through the door so that you can walk with him. 
Now, I know we're, this is a broadcast service and we have a small studio audience, but and I don't know how the camera's going to work this, but I'm just telling y'all, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you don't know Christ and you're in this room. I'm going to actually give you an opportunity to trust Christ if you don't know him and you've never come into a relationship with him before. I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk through this door by faith. This door is Christ. And for those of you at home, look around the house. Where's there a door? When I give them an opportunity to come through, you get up and you walk through that door and accept Christ. Just look at the door and say, this is the door of Christ. I am with my body and my mind and my heart making a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Now, before I do this, I just need to speak to one other group of people because there's some people who've walked through the door of Christ and guess what happened after that? They walked away from him. But listen to this other passage that I'm going to leave with you, and it's Colossians chapter 2. And it's verses 6 and 7. I want you to listen to what it says. What the writer Paul says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, he says, So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, you walk through the door, continue to live in him. Or that word live, can, some of your Bibles will say walk in him. It's the Greek word peripateo, which means uh, walk alongside of. It means forward motion. Just because you've come through the door, now continue in him and continue to move forward with him. Walk alongside of him as he walks alongside of you. He says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. Rooted, built up, and strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted, built up, and strengthened. That's discipleship right there, isn't it? Now that you've walked through it, get rooted, built up, strengthened, become mature and mighty in Christ, just as you were taught, and you'll be overflowing with thankfulness. That's verses six and seven, and that's an exhortation. Now that you've received him, walk with him. That's an exhortation, but verse eight, is a warning. This is what it says. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. Yet you walk through it. I'm telling you, get rooted, built up, and strengthened. And by the way, watch out. Don't get held captive, even as you're a believer by hollow and deceptive philosophies, human tradition, and the basic principles of this world. And the reality is this is what has happened to some of us. But yet Paul says there are three ideologies that can pull you away from your walk with Christ. Number one, hollow and deceptive philosophies, 8A. Buddhism and new age religion and universalism and spiritism and, and spirituality. Some people are like, I'm spiritual. I'm not a Christian. I don't follow Jesus, but I'm spiritual. I believe in God and not Jesus. That, that's a hollow and a deceptive philosophy. Uh, the higher power is who I'm following uh, to get out of my addiction. I'm all about using the higher power and the 12 steps to help you get out of addiction. I think that's great. But what I really love is when someone finally discovers that their higher power is Jesus. Because if they don't, and if they just leave it at a higher power, guess what? I'm going to tell you this. You can be sober and still be in hell when you'd really want to be drunk. 
got TikTok preachers preaching that there's no hell anymore, yet they still choose to believe in heaven and blessings and goodness and God's grace. They want all the good stuff that they can pick out of the Bible and yet deny his righteousness, consequences for sin, and definitely there's no eternal punishment. That's as bad as when they had the slave Bible. And they took out any passages on freedom in Christ. They took out any passages about the the Israelites being free from Egyptian slavery. Hollow, deceptive philosophies where you just take the Bible and you pick out the parts that you like. Jesus says, I'm the only way. Well, he's not really the only way. Let's take that piece out. You're going to be separated from God forever. Well, you know what? God loves us. He's not going to let anybody be separated from him. Let's take that out. But let's keep all the parts we like. We're blessed. We have favor with God. He's merciful. (laughs) He forgives everything. Hollow and deceptive philosophies built on human tradition and basic principles of this world. And those are the three ideologies that will pull you away from your walk with Christ. Human tradition. Listen, family, cultural, and ethnic traditions, beautiful. I love our American traditions. I I love my family traditions. I love my ethnicity and, and traditions that we have. But Everything about your family, your culture, and your ethnicity may not always be good. Can you face that? I mean, just because your family believed it, did it, engaged in it, doesn't make it right. And I hate to say that because I know it's really hard for some people who love their families, and I love my family. But just because your family tradition is that everybody gets drunk on Thanksgiving doesn't mean it's good for you. Just because your, your tradition at your job is everybody on Fridays goes out and they get wasted and flirty doesn't mean it's good for your walk with Christ. Just because Sunday mornings and your family's tradition is playing sports doesn't mean that that can't be broken as a human tradition so you can walk with Christ better. Figure out a way to get it done. Just because you got a great new job and the tradition of that job is work your tail off even on Sundays. Don't take a Sabbath, but make a whole lot of money. It's great for human tradition, but it's one of the basic principles of the world. Human tradition, basic principles of the world. World principles like the first shall be first. <laughs> And the last shall be last. Step on the other people and get to the top. But when you get to the top, you can be a philanthropist and give a little bit away. That'll make your guilt feel better. The more money you make, the happier you'll be. The less money you donate to God's work, the better manager you are of your money. Other other basic principles of this world. Love yourself above others. Or I like this one. Forgive because it's good for you. That's a benefit. You don't forgive because it's good for you. You forgive because you've been forgiven. There's nothing in the Bible that says you ought to forgive because it's good for you. No, you forgive because God commanded it and because God forgave you. As you forgive others, I'll forgive you. Now, there are benefits always to doing God's will. And so, yeah, it is good for me. But that's not why I do it. (laughs) Basic principles of the world. Take all the truth of God and just kind of twist it up. Do what you want to do and what you don't feel like doing, you don't have to do. Sacrificing for Christ and denying yourself anything is definitely not in vogue. But speaking your truth is totally trending. What is that anyway? My truth. You don't have a truth apart from 
the truth. Listen, my truth is messed up. My truth is screwed up with my brain, my body, my intentions, my motives, my sins. It's not that I can't be honest about what I feel. But it's about understanding, take everything that I feel and experience and put it up against the truth. Now that you've accepted him, walk in him and don't let these multiple ideologies get you off of your walk with Christ. And the reality is some of you have walked through this door of Christ and have been saved, but then you walked away from Christ or you walked out on Christ and you gave Christ and his church the deuces. I follow Jesus. I just don't do church. Let me try that on for size. I like you, but I just don't like your bride. You're great. I just don't want anything to do with your bride. The thing that Jesus Christ died for, the thing he loves the most is his church. One day he'll present her without a spot or a wrinkle, but does your bride have any spots or wrinkles, gentlemen? Will I only like her when she's perfect? Ten years later, you talk about divorcing her. So when it comes down to it, are we going to divorce Christ and walk away from him? Walk out on him? Because guess what? We loved him at first, but we don't love him anymore. And the scripture says, who cut in on you? What happened to you? Galatians 3.1, you foolish Galatians, who betwixt you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed before you was crucified. He says in 4.8 of Galatians, what, what has happened to all of your joy? He says in Galatians 5.7, you were running a good race. <laughs> who caught in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Listen to me, friends. Christ has never walked out on you. Jesus has never walked out on you. And if you feel distance between you and Christ, who do you think moved? It wasn't Jesus. He's still there where you left him, having quiet times with him. He's still there beside the bed where you used to pray at night. He's still there before every meal when you used to actually pause and thank him before taking your first bite. Jesus is still there. And he wants you back. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this opportunity to walk through this door. And again, this is a broadcast service. So if you're at your house, if you're at your office in your car, use another door and say, God, I'm making a decision to walk through this door. But if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, then I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right where you are, walk down to these steps, and walk through this door as an act of faith to say, Jesus Christ, I know that there are a whole bunch of other doors, but I'm making a decision to walk through this door for you. And there's also somebody else in this room, in our studio audience, I'm talking to you now, that you've walked through the door of Christ before, but you've walked away or walked out on him. You've given him deuces. And today, God is touching your heart saying, you know what? Walk back through this door. Take Christ's hand and walk with him. Is there anybody that would want to do that now? And if so, just come on up here.
Who is God speaking to? I want to walk through the door and walk with Christ. Is there one? What about where you are? I want to walk through the door and walk with Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. Don't wait for somebody else to make the decision. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, do it where you are. Find the door. Declare it as, Jesus, I'm walking through this door to walk with you by faith. And if you make that decision, what I want you to do is I want you to chat us or text us or email us to let us know so we can send you materials and help you grow. Because the first and most important decision that you can make is going through the only door that will lead you to salvation where you say, God, I am sorry for my sins and I'm coming home to you. And every time, every time, God leaves the door open for you. When you walk away and don't accept it, we've got to make something very clear. There is a day when the door will be closed and it'll be too late for you then to come to him. So seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the door that you have provided through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love. And we pray, God, that today many people would walk through the door of salvation and the door of repentance to restore fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc 30. That's bridgeway.cc T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.